but here's the thing. And they give you this warranty and all that stuff. I'm like, I wanted to say to the installer, right. can't the water heater just call you when I need a new one and just set an appointment in my calendar? Like, Yeah, can't the water heater just text you? Right. Hello and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog, episode seven for Friday, May 22nd, 2015. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week, we talk about smart homes, specifically why anyone might want such a thing, and how we might get from where we are to where they be. Please stay tuned. Terrifying Robot Dog is next. So here's the thing with smart homes. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm 40, mid 40 somewhere. I can't even remember. And I remember... Every time somebody says smart homes, I get like this gif of the intro to the Jetsons going through my mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. George Jetson on a conveyor belt, getting out of bed and like being pushed through the shower and like robot arms, putting his clothes on him and making his coffee and toast and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And get a Rosie cleaning the house for you. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Like, does anybody yeah. really even want this? I, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. I, I obviously. I don't want to be groped by robots. No. <laughs> So, I mean, obviously the Jetsons thing is a joke. It's a cartoon. It's supposed to be funny. Uh, but really, what is the point of a smart home? What are the, what are the, what's a real smart home look like? That's what we want to talk about today. Yeah. But before we get to that, let's talk for a second about what the word smart even means in this context. Yeah, because I think a lot of people are throwing around smart home and smart home devices in, in ways that aren't necessarily smart. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things are getting connected, but I would argue strongly that that does not make them smart. Yeah, it makes them interesting and it makes them useful. For instance, my Hue lights can make all sorts of pretty colors and there's a, a REST API that I can send commands through to, to make them do that. But they're not smart because they're not, the lights aren't sensing that it's overcast outside and adjusting the room light accordingly. They're not making any decisions or detecting any, gathering any information on their own. Mm-hmm. So let's keep in mind while we're talking the difference between smart and connected and try and kind of tease those two words apart as we navigate down this path. So the first thing we wanted to talk about is why anybody would want these kind of devices in our house. Let me see. There's really two parts to this. Yeah, there is. There is. There's in the smart home, there's the collecting of data and then there's the doing something with it. Yep. And the devices, there's the devices that gather information and then there's the devices that do stuff. Right. Exactly. And, and the, I think the technical terms for that is sensors and actuators. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and there's also an implication that there's a brain in there somewhere. <laughs> At some point. Yeah. And a lot of times right now, that's still, that's still us. Right. Right now there's no, <laughs> right now we've got sensors and actuators. Like the Wemo stuff has motion detectors. I mean, hell, we've had motion lights on our garage for 10 years. It's, it's, this is nothing new. Yeah. That's not smart. Yeah. You could, you could argue that a motion sensor is smart because it detects motion and turns on a light. Yes. But, but, but I don't think anybody thinks that. I think that everybody thinks right. like smart means it goes through the internet or has some kind of like, like the does we- some kind of does some kind of fancy analysis and makes a decision based on some algorithm somewhere. Right. It says this is this is the right thing to do. Right. Not just a, a pre-programmed response to sensing motion. Yeah, exactly. So the so the brain in that case, the brain on the, the garage lights is a binary. It's just like about as dumb as it gets. Yeah, it's it's more like an instinct. 
in a brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's the lizard brain. So <laughs> that's, yeah. that's perfect. So whether or not you consider garage lights smart, they're super useful. It's like a super yeah. useful thing to have. And a lot of the so-called smart devices that I've seen come to market fall into one particular category where they try and they try and be the sensor and actuator all rolled into one that solves a particular problem in the almost exact same way that a garage light solves the problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but but typically they're a little bit more uh, technical, a little more complicated, a little bit more sophisticated, whatever you want to say, like they probably have Bluetooth, uh, they, they probably connect to Wi-Fi, they probably have a web interface, um, they have all these other things, but it's still basically kind of like garage lights. So, you know, like a, a door lock that uh, is Bluetooth aware so that when your smartphone comes near it, it automatically unlocks. And when your phone's not near it, it automatically locks. It's the yeah. same concept as the garage light, really, but there's identity baked into it. So I guess you could call it a little bit smarter. So why would anybody want any of this stuff? So the, the list of things that came to mind were um, to save money, to decrease tedious upkeep of your household. Um, right, just more more convenient. You can just kind of kind of move through your house and not have to think about little things like unlocking doors and turning on light switches. Right, and, and just general behavior change. So, uh, so, you know, in the same way that uh, maybe a Fitbit gathers analytics about your activity and knowing that information causes a change in your behavior. Um, if it, you know, if you start to know things about, let's just say energy uses in, in your house. Yeah. Like there, there are times when I'll go outside and like, our, our electric meters on this post. So it's like almost at eye level and I'll just stand there and I'll just watch it and it'll be spinning and spinning and spinning. And I'm like, like nothing's on inside. I'm not doing anything. Where <laughs> no one's home. Where's my money going? Right, <laughs> right, right. Like, and that's me too. Like, I get a bill every month, and and this sort of very coarse grained uh, information of like your entire house used this used enough this many kilowatt hours. Yeah, we've got uh, all sorts of weird things. We've got an ice maker. I just leave it on. I don't. I don't. I I assume. It doesn't take a lot of energy, but what if what if that thing's half of my electric bill? Imagine if your electric bill came and it had a breakdown of how much juice each each thing in your house, like yeah, every single thing that used energy in your house, and then you looked and you're like, oh my god, I don't even use that TV. It's in the garage, plugged in, and it's just right. like I didn't even know it was using energy. It's off. And I paid four bucks for it last month. <laughs> right, right, right. So so there's the obvious benefit of saving money, that's for sure. Yeah. But I think the, the money standpoint is the most marketable because everyone wants to save money. Yeah, naturally. Like if I can spend, you know, 50 bucks on something that will monitor my um, energy usage inside my, <laughs> I want to call it my LAN almost, <laughs> my electrical LAN, <laughs> my electrical local area network. And it cost me 50 bucks for that. And then I'm saving $10 a month. I mean, the thing pays for itself in short order. Yep. So why wouldn't you want, like everybody would want that. Um, so that's, so that's really interesting. That's a very straightforward type of thing. Then there's the, the thing that I feel like the thing that everybody advertises, which is just like the convenience of a smart home. And everybody's like, you, you don't have to pull out your keys anymore. 
you can just walk up to the door and your house will greet you. The lights will come on. You'll walk in. The temperature will be set because your car is connected to your Nest thermostat. And it's just going to be like walking into a warm bath every time you come home. <laughs> and You'll never have to touch a thermostat or a light switch or a lock again. Right. But see, the, th the thing is, I don't find any of that super inconvenient. And in fact, we've talked before about some of the smarter or, more, you know, the connected hue bulbs, for example, are much more annoying mm -hmm. in certain situations. Because yeah, when you yeah. have guests over, they don't know how to adjust the lights and they turn them off and turn them on and they reset to their default, which is like Dunkin Donuts fluorescent. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then you got to pull out your phone and connect to it. And, oh, the app wants to update. And, you know, it's like, oh, I just want to turn the lights yeah, down Yeah, and a I lose my connection to the base station all the time. Right. So it's like sometimes, sometimes you just want a freaking regular light switch on the wall. Yeah. I, I just think that, I, I think that walking into the house and having the environment set up perfectly is, first of all, years away. And second of all, not mm -hmm. that compelling. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's not that, it's not that much of a... Yeah, it's a little bit nicer, but all of the setup and inconvenience right now, like that, I mean, basically it boils down to the tech's just not ready for that yet. It's just not yeah. there. Yeah, but I mean, you walk in the front door, you flip on a switch. It's it's not a not a huge deal. I mean, other than other than that time when I rearranged my furniture and forgot where my light switches were, that's never <laughs> been a problem for me. Hmm. So here's the thing. There's some, I think there are some things about your house, not this sort of like, we're going to make your life um, we're going to create these new experiences in your house that you never before could have imagined or were too inconvenient to set up for yourself or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, but no, but I want to know about things that are going on. Mostly I want to know about th stuff that's going on in my house that shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Like I want to know that the bathroom faucet is dripping. Yes. Okay, so... So let's let's actually hold off on that because that is a really interesting okay. conversation for the how we get there part. Um, okay. So there, I think there's one other thing in the um, in the in the why you would want this that's actually kind mm -hmm. of compelling, which is the tedious upkeep of things like toilet paper and Keurig pods, and uh, we use these special garbage bags. And like when we're run like just this morning, I've changed the garbage. I pulled out the bag and um, we use these simple human garbage cans and garbage bags that fit like perfectly. So they're not like all baggy and hanging over the edge. And mm -hmm. smartly, the simple human people and the second to last bag in the box, there's this huge sticker that says running low, go to simplehuman.com to order more bags, which is genius. But mm -hmm. I wish the box just ordered more bags. <laughs> right. You know? Like now, right. why, See, why do is, I have to do something? This is where you need a, yeah, this is where you need an Amazon button. Yeah, the Amazon dash button, uh, which everybody totally goofed on us for being like the laziest people in the world for wanting this. But, but like, imagine all the things, all of the uh, consumables, I think they're called in your house that you just, you always, order. we always get the same toilet paper. We always get the same trash bags. We always get the same Keurig cups. We always get the mm -hmm. same vacuum cleaner bags. I mean, I'm going to just roughly estimate that 50% of the money we spend a year is on stuff that we always get. And right. it's like, why doesn't that stuff just show up when we're running low? That would be amazing. Yeah. And I mean, you can go to Amazon and you can subscribe to a lot of this stuff. But, you know, maybe I don't use as many garbage bags in the winter as I use in the summer because we're not grilling out as much. So there's not 
or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe it's the holiday season or somebody's birthday and I've suddenly used more garbage bags or mm-hmm. s- subscriptions for these things don't really work because you don't necessarily use them in the same quantities all the time. Yeah. And we have some of those subscriptions and that's what, that's what ends up happening. You either end up running out or you end up with too many. And for some yeah. of these things like diapers, you don't want like two extra giant boxes of diapers. You know, they're like you're humongo. Yeah. Because your kid grows out of them. That too. Yeah. Like, so some of this stuff you might want for a long period of time, but not forever. So it would be, mm-hmm. it, you know, and, and speaking of the Amazon dash button, the button uh, is, um, which we'll link to in the show notes if we haven't, if you haven't heard of it before, but the dash button really, I think is just a proof of concept for the underlying service that the button connects to, which is a dash replenishment service. Yeah. And I think eventually um, Echo is going to tie into that and everything too. Mm, yeah, Amazon Echo. I don't know if people have heard about this, but do you want to tell people what that is? Sure, sure. Amazon Echo is it's a sort of always on, passively listening um, uh, device, multi-directional microphone, so it can pick up anything going on in the room. It has a remote control that you can speak into when you're out of the room, and right now you can just you can talk to it and you can do things similar to what you could do with Siri or Google Now or or Cortana you could ask it questions tell it things have to look up the weather or you can tell it to play music on your Amazon cloud drive that that sort of thing mm-hmm. and right now you can't order products but i'm almost 100% certain that eventually there'll be a day where you can say um, hey Alexa, order order more diapers, and it will. <laughs> yes, so we'll, we'll talk about that more when we talk about how. But um, just to close out the um, close out the section on why you might want to do that, I recently came downstairs to my office, and the carpet was wet. <laughs> yes, and it was like uh, I was planning on doing a bunch of work today, but let me figure out why my carpet is soaking wet. <laughs> And it turned out that the water heater had let go and was leaking profusely into the basement. So now here's the here's the thing, okay? We mm-hmm. had been getting uh, it was noticeable. This is embarrassing to admit, but I'll just go ahead. For six months, at least, man, maybe maybe three months, but for a long time, I had noticed that the hot water was not totally clear. It looked a little rusty. You didn't really notice it was coming out of the faucet, but if you drew like an entire bath, you're like, that doesn't look... It had a little bit of a tint to it. Yeah, Yeah. it had a little rusty tint to it. And so I'm like, you know, we've been in the house 10 years. The water heater was almost brand new when we moved in. had a nine-year warranty. Every indication that the water heater was about to blow up was there. I did nothing. I did nothing right. about it. The one thing I did right, was... Right, because the thought of, the just like the hassle of dealing with it and replacing a water heater and going to that expense and the trouble and everything, when it looks, you can say, yeah, there's maybe a problem here, but it looks very innocent still. You want So if I just want to make myself even look like more of an idiot, you want to know what the one thing I did was? I Googled mm. to find out if rusty water was bad for you. And I've, everywhere I found said, no, it's not really bad for you. It's just not attractive and it'll stain your laundry and stuff. I was like, all right, that's good. Yeah. I can, I, I can put this off. I can procrastinate about this. But so, yeah. and of course, eventually it blew up and then I was forced to deal with it. And one day later it was completely fixed and it wasn't even that expensive, which is really. <sighs> yeah. I have a, I have a similar, I have a similar story that a, just a single sensor would have completely saved a lot of money and effort and actually money that I have yet to spend because I'm still procrastinating on repairing. 
Um, but we had, you know, we have our, our central air conditioner. We have the, the inside unit with the coil and the blower that blows the air over the coil and cools the air and all that stuff. And it, you know, it draws the moisture out of there. So there's this condensate drain mm-hmm. that drains all the water that's condensed on the coil uh, to the outside. Uh, well, the condensate drain got plugged up mm. and things kind of overflowed and this water, instead of going outside, was going right down onto the floor below yeah. the air conditioner. Mm. So there's a, there's a lot of damage to the floor there. And then we had to, you know, and again, we had to replace the, that's why we had to replace the furnace fan was because things rusted and just, yeah. Mm. Like one sensor could have solved that issue. Right. So like, like extrapolate that out. Like we, when we got, now we've got a brand new water heater, right? And they said, Hey, do you want the nine year or the 12 year? And you know, everybody knows that the thing is going to break in half exactly when the warranty expires. Right. So I know mm-hmm. I've got, so I'm like, oh, I'll take the 12 year. They'll give me like three extra years of procrastination. So, yeah. but here's the thing. And they give you this warranty and all that stuff. I'm like, I wanted to say to the installer, right. can't the water heater just call you when I need a new one and just set an appointment in my calendar? Like, yeah. Can't the water heater just text you? Right. Right. Cause I was, it was like, it wasn't that I was procrastinating because of the price. It was totally fair. I thought the price was completely fair. They came out in one mm-hmm. day. It was fixed. Like it was so convenient. The thing that made me put it off was all of the unknowns. And like, I, I was surprised by the, I mean, it wasn't not, I mean, it was like a grand or something, but I was afraid it was going to be four grand. And it was like, the guy, the guy was like super nice and they were there right away next day. I, in my imagination, it was going to be a much bigger deal. And and my imagination prevented me from doing anything about it or encouraged me to procrastinate. And if the thing just said, like, look, I'm about to break. and Right. I mean, I've, I've needed to call a plumber for like three weeks now because we got a faucet in the bathroom that's dripping. Mm. And, and, and in my mind, this is going to be, a, I'm sure, a much bigger deal to fix than it will actually be. Right. But I'm like, well, I really don't want to do this to the point that I even went to the effort of counting how fast it's dripping and <laughs> Googling how many drops are in a gallon of water, looking at the electric <laughs> bill and be like, okay, this is costing me 12 cents a month. I can wait a while. <laughs> See, we both did the same yeah. thing. We Googled how bad the problem was. And right. and so and we were like, that's ah, not that bad. I mean, all of our clothes are going to be orange, but who cares? I can deal with that. <laughs> I don't go outside. So, so imagine if instead you're, so this is, this is this sort of like, like why you would want this. Imagine if your water heater started texting your repairman or the guy who installed it and said, Oh, I've got, I've got a failure in this area or, you know, I got like, doc, it hurts when I do this. (laughs) And the plumber says, well, stop doing that. So, you know, it could, it could be as simple as like 40 gallons came in and only 35 gallons went out through the proper valve so obviously five gallons went somewhere else and that's not good and you could just text the plumber like and the plumber be like you could all of a sudden my phone rings and i'm like hello and it's like hey it's uh joe blow from uh plumbers r us your your water heater's leaking i turn around oh my god you're right he's like i could be there tomorrow if you want yeah yeah do it He's like, and I can fix it, and I can fix it for this much. Yeah, how awesome would that be? And then <laughs> multiply that by everything in your house. Like, ev- first, first, right. first, the appliances, like your dishwasher, your stove, your washing machine, your dryer, your furnace, your air conditioner, air conditioning. All of that would be. I mean, that's and see, here's the thing. That's not smart. What it is is the sensors 
are just picking up information. They're gathering information and they're sending mm-hmm. it to the person who needs to know about it. And that person is the smart one. So I think that's we're, the smart part, right? That's the smart part is that we're just exposing, we're capturing and exposing information to the right people at the right time. And to me, that is, that's probably the, you know, getting ahead of ourselves here, but that's the value today. That's the compelling use case today, I think. All right, so, so so that's probably a good segue into how we would get from where we are today to any of that any of that junk or the next couple of stages where um, it's things are smart enough to instead of involve humans in the process or involve a lot of humans in the process, it's smart enough to just do something about it, like the water heater to set up the appointment itself, and me just have a a, a, a GCal appointment pop in that's like. You know, my, it says your water heater. Notice that you're free next Friday at at nine a.m. and I'm a, and, and that it's about to break. So it made an appointment with. <laughs> so crazy. With this, so it shopped around and found the, the yeah the best price, the, the cheap, the cheapest, the the plumber with the best reputation for price, and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the best score on Yelp, and yeah. they had availability, and uh, I mean, you. You can imagine that stuff working, but we're it's pretty far away to, to have all of that. Yeah, it is. Like it humans is. still are good at lots of stuff. And <laughs> that sort of shopping around and scheduling and all of that is, is still something humans are really good at. So I think, I think that we've made a couple, at least two compelling use cases for wanting a, let's say, smarter home or a more connected home. Mm-hmm. So how... How the heck do you get from where we are now to like a water heater that sets appointments in your Google Calendar? And I think I think what's going to happen first is that um, this is going to happen in th- in, in uh, businesses first. It'll be like uh, retail stores, restaurants, factories, that kind of thing. Those places and factories is already kind of happening, but I could see it happening more in, especially in. Um, especially in restaurants, like not, not customer facing stuff, but back of the house where you've got, you know, you've got a McDonald's, let's say, and they've got, um, you know, order well, fulfillment. Yeah. There's like 50 million things that can break in a McDonald's, yeah. you know, the, 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 uh, the oil in this fry liter is consistently, the temperature is consistently low, send an alert to someone or just don't even send an alert, but just the first stage is to just capture all the data and filter it into um, a system that can hold it. It doesn't even have to hold it. It just needs to know what the averages are. And then when something yeah. goes out of when there, when an exception happens, then it raises a flag. Right. It's like the monitor, like monitoring for our apps, but applying it to the real world. Yeah. Like new, right. New relic on the servers. Like when, when, when an exception happens. So, right. so the cool part about sensors is that, um, is that you can establish a baseline. So let's say you've got, uh, let's, let's say Panera. I know they've got about 1,800 locations. And let's say that they have, um, uh, uh, what's it called, a panini machine, all right? Okay. They, they've, got, they've got at least 1,800, maybe 3,600 panini machines around the U.S. You don't, <laughs> <laughs> smart panini machines. Smart panini, yeah. Um, so... <laughs> So if you just just do nothing else but put a, a temperature sensor in the panini machine, all right, then all of a sudden you that's all good. this then that's going to give you like thirty six hundred data points. 
instantly. Yeah. And, and, and there's a whole bunch of people who have been trained how to set up the Panini machine. And the Panini machine is probably, um, you know, set up to only be one temperature. Like you turn it on, it goes to that temperature, you know, in a right. fast food, but it's not a fast food place, a quick service place. So all of a sudden you've got like data points coming in every hour, let's say from all these Panini machines and you don't even, the, the system doesn't even need to know what the temperature is supposed to be. It can just say. It just needs to know that one of them is off. One of them is way off. Exactly. So you don't have to train it at all. You can just like look at a graph of like outliers. So you, you like look at a scatter plot yep. and you're just like, huh, let me click on these two outliers. And you're like, like store number 725's Panini machine's broken. Yeah. It's like, this is, this is more than two standard deviations away from the proper panini temperature exactly <laughs> exactly so there's this concept that um we probably can't get into on this show but it's called membrane computing and mm-hmm. uh, it's from this guy jeff hawkins who was the ceo of palm weirdly enough and he he has this concept of ai and and you know s- true computer smarts that is not about big data. He's like, forget about it. You can't store all the data. We're going to be gathering so much data that they're starting to call it data exhaust. Like it's throwing off steam of data. There's going to be so <laughs> yeah, much data. That. I can see that. You can't crunch it. But what you do is you pass it through a membrane and you learn what the standard deviation is, just like you said. And then you just do mm-hmm. something. You, it, like the first stage is to just throw an alert when something is way out of whack. Yeah. And, and you don't need to keep it. Right, you, you don't, don't have to keep to, it. You just need to know what yeah. you need to know what whack is, and then you need to know when something's out <laughs> <Right>. of there. <laughs> what's whack? <laughs> what's whack and what's what's out of whack? Right. So imagine you put these sensors all over your restaurant or your you know chain restaurant or your house, and you know what whack is after a <laughs> couple of months. Whack. <laughs> yeah, and after a year, you'll have you know where I live in Providence, Rhode Island is like very very big changes seasonally weather wise. So after a mm-hmm. year, we would know what whack is. And then I would just say, hey, shoot me a text message if something's out of whack. Yeah. That's pretty, that's, I mean, nothing's easy, but that's pretty yeah. straightforward. That's all you have to do with it. Yeah. And, you don't. right. And so it's like, the problem with that, and the thing that's not sexy about that from a marketing standpoint is the setting the baseline, setting the whack. Because it's like. It takes time. You have to gather data. Yeah. For a while before you can do things like that. Right. So that, so membrane computing, I think is going to actually have a lot to do with this. And I think that's the practical way to approach it. It's, I don't know how you would market that to anybody, but I feel like that's the practical way to deal with it and yeah. probably happen in restaurants first. Yeah. So we, we talked a little bit about, um, sensors versus, versus actuators and, mm-hmm. and how a lot of the stuff that's on the market right now is a combination where it's set up to solve a particular problem problem like soup to nuts yeah i feel like the better approach is to separate them out if they're not going to have a a more a more developed brain quote-unquote brain then i feel like you should separate them out and and even if they do i don't think i would want like 12 decision making things in my house i would want 12 things that talks to one thing and then that one thing decides and and tells 12 other things to do something Mm. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it actually playing out this way because it's going to be really hard to market. To, I don't know how you'd market to someone 
gather data about about your home. Like put a Fitbit on your house, basically. <laughs> I just pictured you putting this big Fitbit band around your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry, right? It's been a long week. <laughs> but that's kind of the. I feel. I feel like that's the only way to sell it. It's like Fitbit for your house, mm-hmm. and you're like, all right, okay, I I get that. And you yeah. you put these. I don't know what they are, but you do it, and you you put these sensors around it. All this, the sensors do exactly one thing: collect data. And because yeah, that's you, all a Fitbit does. A Fitbit doesn't do anything; it just gathers information for you to look at. Right. And so I think I think the first stage is that you start gathering the data, and then at a certain point, whatever company does this, they say, "Hey, we've got a bunch of great data about your house. We noticed that um, there are these." outliers these out of whack things every once in a while or you've got one appliance that's using 50 percent of your energy or like some inordinate amount of energy and Mm -hmm. just show you the exceptions and then and then you say okay this is really cool you get getting these reports you're reading the reports maybe monthly let's say you go just go through it you're like okay and now this is information i never ever knew before and then the next step is um instead of the reports you want us to send you alerts when anything exceeds these thresholds, which is exactly, I mean, this is all very, this is all very developer normal stuff. Like if you're a web developer, mm-hmm. this is all very normal stuff. These are the stages you go through. And yeah, it's it, like, it's just like what we would do for an app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause at first you read the reports and you're like, I don't need to read these. They're always the same. I just want to know if something is out of whack. And so, so send me mm-hmm. a text message if something's out of whack. And then the next stage up from that, and we're talking years in between these stages, I think. Next stage up from that is like, oh, wow. Um, Say it's Nest. Say Nest is the company that cracks this code. Mm -hmm. Then they say, you know what? Uh, We have all this information about water heaters that break, or we have all this information about stoves that break. We have all this information about all these things that break. We could basically plug that into a service provider or to Google calendar or to your email or something. And so it's not just a notification or the notification doesn't just alert you to the fact, but it gives you some actionable choices. So, uh, instead of getting a notification that just says, Hey, something's wrong with your water heater. It says, Hey, something's wrong with your water heater. Do you, do you want to, do you want me to call a plumber right now? We've got, we've got the, we have three phone numbers of the three best plumbers in your area that, you know, as decided by the Yelp community or whatever. Yes or no. And then you hit yes, boom, phone rings, guys on the phone. Hey, I think something's wrong with my water heater. If you got time to come out tomorrow. And yep. I don't, I'm, that would make a huge difference in my life. Maybe I am just like a, I don't know. It might like totally out of bounds. I mean, I'm not, am I crazy? No, no, I don't think you're crazy. Um, well, I mean, I think you're crazy, but not because <laughs> of that. <laughs> uh, Touché. yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it would certainly like if I could get an alert that said, oh, hey, you're, you're, air conditioner is dumping a bunch of water on your floor yeah or your floor is like hey there's a bunch of water on me yeah (laughs) right right that would probably be more accurate yeah yeah there's we're going hey there's a bunch of water on me wasn't didn't we talk a while like a while back about um the smart carpet yeah there's a company called mohawk that does carpets and flooring and i actually had a meeting with them a couple of years ago yeah and we have mohawk floors oh yeah so they're not smart though no, but they have they have a couple of really interesting. I probably shouldn't talk about it. I'm probably under NDA still, but yeah, I can I can talk about it because I've watched videos on it. There you go <laughs> on the internet. But yeah, the basic idea of sensors sensors in the flooring to to do things like oh hey there there's been a leak from your water heater or or maybe your your elderly 
grandparent just fell down or, hmm. hey, I'm on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't laugh. Our floor's been on fire. But right. yeah, absolutely. Right. And um, I mean, like I said, none of this stuff's easy, but that is not rocket science. That piece is not rocket science. The sensor piece is cheap. It's Mm -hmm. very straightforward. It's extremely robust technology. And all you got to do is put either like Bluetooth low energy in it or something and then have some kind of non hideous setup situation where when it's first installed, it's connected to some kind of hub. And like you said, it would be cool if there was a single house hub, but that probably is unrealistic initially. Um, Although there is that Nest program. Nest is, yeah. Yeah. They're... You're not going to get a house hub of, of one single brand that's going to put all these sensors in your house, but you might get a few different companies that agree to work together. Like you said, the built with Nest, because that they've got what, like maybe maybe twenty or so brands. Yeah, big names too that they're working with now. Big names too. Yeah, like Whirlpool and LG and mm-hmm. Mercedes, and and then some other some other smart or connected home appliance type type yeah, companies Logitech as well. Yeah, and yeah, I think he was on there too. Like I'm not actually a fan Mm -hmm. of the Nest thermostat because our life is not very regimented. So it it has a hard time learning what the heck is whack for us. Right. But Mm -hmm. they do have, it's a very, very, uh, it's a very compelling value proposition because it's this gorgeous thing that you put on your wall. So it's, it's very central. It's right in the middle of your living room or whatever. And it's, it's, you just go over. It's very easy to set it up on your Wi-Fi. And if all of these other things in your house don't have to connect to Wi-Fi, they just need to connect to the Nest, then the Nest can be that sort of connection to the internet for all the other things. And because that is the pain in the butt. Like if you install your rugs, you don't want to have to like figure out how to connect your rugs to your Wi-Fi. And then every time you change your Wi-Fi password, you have to update your rugs. You have to reconnect your floor. Yeah, that (laughs) would be super tedious. You want to just be able to change your Wi-Fi password whenever you want, update your Nest, and then everything else, mm-hmm. all the other dumb sensors are just picking up information and sending there, which then sends it to the internet or wherever. Yeah, so, or, and your nest could become the brain. It, yeah, potentially, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll want to do that because that's the value add. So then you pay, you start paying them fifty bucks a month to be the smarts of your house. And I don't, I that is a, you know, I don't know about that, but I definitely think I don't know about people buying that because the the brain part. I still think we're so far away from the, even just being able to know when to turn the lights on is so complicated. Like you walk in, yeah, walk into my bedroom, turn on the lights. Oh, Eric is asleep or, um, right. walk into the room. It doesn't turn on the lights because it's smart enough to know someone's in bed. Oh, it's the dog. So <laughs> I mean, just something stupid, like turning on the lights when you walk into the room is actually really complicated. So yeah. I, I don't see the actuator part, the thing that automatically does things. I don't, I don't see that coming for a very very long time the sensor part is the thing that could come now yeah it is the sensor part could come now and but even just making that data available so that we can continue to use our brains and make the decisions like i'm not i'm not sure i'm not sure i need a car that automatically tells my house hey we're close to home go ahead and 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 warm the house up Right, because you know maybe I maybe I just forgot something and I'm coming back to get it. Yeah. So I don't think I need a car that does that automatically, but I want, but I I would like to be able to say, oh hey, we're close to home. Go ahead and turn the thermostat up so it's warm when we get there. Right. I want to have that control. I just I don't necessarily want it automated for me. 
Right, like maybe a, a, a notification shows up in the dash, dashboard of your gorgeous Tesla vehicle and yes. says, would you like us to turn yes. the heat on? I can see that you're approaching home and it's only 40 degrees yeah. outside. And then you just say yes to the air. Right, and more, more than anything, as far as, far as automating as far as automating things on behalf of, of me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to, like, I don't want it automated for me, but because I don't want to have to remember to not to explicitly tell it not to do something that it would normally do. Like if I'm coming home, telling my house, oh, turn the thermostat up, I'll be home in 15 minutes. That to me is a lot easier and a lot more intuitive and a lot makes a lot more sense than to remember to remember to go, oh, I'd better tell the thermostat not to heat the house up because I'm only going to be there for like two minutes. Yeah, I agree. Like, so here's the, here's the thing. I think first, first stage is sensors. Gather the information. You need to learn before you can be smart, right? Gather the information. Mm-hmm. Then the next stage is going to be reports. That'll be very soon after the first stage that you get monthly or daily or weekly reports on the, the, the Fitbit for your house output. And then after that, you'll get alerts. So it'll go from reports to alerts. And then way down the line, that stuff or something somewhere will make decisions. So like Mm -hmm. the decisions part, I feel like that's where it's fair to call this stuff a smart home or a smart watch or smart underpants or whatever. But (laughs) but until then, I don't think it should really be called smart. And And I think that the part where the technology is making decisions for us is so far down the road. It is. It is because it can't do it well. It's going to be hard to do. Yeah, too many false positives. You can set, yeah, you can set baselines, but people are going to change their minds and do different things. And having to remember to stop it from doing something is going to be much more annoying than remembering to do the thing in the first place. Exactly. That's probably a good place to leave it. All right. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye. Would you like to support Terrifying Robot Dog? Just think of two friends who would dig the show and send them to terrifyingrobotdog.com for links to iTunes, Facebook, and RSS. If you don't have two friends, you can still help us out by leaving a nice review in iTunes. It would mean a lot to Kelly and I. Thanks a lot.